here's the thing. We all know how frustrating it is to be in a highly competitive market and try to find the right incentive that will catch the prospect or possible renewal's attention. But luckily for us, there's a company that can help us do exactly that, and it's AIM Cruise Incentives. AIM Cruise Incentives is a turnkey marketing program that's actually different. AIM Cruise certificates include a five-day, four-night luxury cruise vacation for two to the Bahamas, the Caribbean, and Mexico. There are over 175 dates and multiple ports to choose from, so booking is super easy for the prospect or resident. After you purchase your cruise certificates, you and your team have up to 12 months to issue them out to the receiver, which means that you can incorporate into other giveaways or events, while giving your prospects and residents up to 36 months to redeem them. They're also fully transferable, and AIM Cruise Incentives will provide you with all of the marketing materials needed to make your campaign a success. All of this value is starting at $139 per cruise certificate, depending on the quantity ordered, which let's be honest, is way less than we all spend for incentives, but the value is way bigger to the prospect. So if you want to increase leases and retention, AIM Cruise Incentives will help you get an edge over your comps and help you lease up faster. Visit aimcruise.com. It's A-I-M cruise.com for additional information on their products and make this lease up year different. Welcome to Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and this is my co-host, Greta Dare. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing today? I am lovely. How are you? Doing great. So, hey, we're on part two of three of your, what was the title again? It is Market Data, the Kingdom of the Crystal Ball. <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't forget the name, but I just wanted to... You just wanted to make me say it again. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to see what kind of sound effects you'd come up with as well. So we really should actually put together some sound effects for this series. I didn't think about that. Um, I'll have to see what I've got. See what kind of Indiana Jones and Marvel Comics stuff I've got. Oh, <laughs> we, can, we can put in. So, so hey, yeah, again, this this three-part series of, of this one episode in, in relationship to marketing research that you did with Maggie Owens, it's it, there was a there was a lot of definite you know passion that, that <laughs> I, I feel think, like in this in this like section more so with the than the other two we were just I was like yeah we get a little fired up in this one a little fired up all right yeah so so yeah this next one you guys talk about some more data points and we get on the subject of property management software and appropriate CRM and tracking things and so listen tight and make sure you're taking some notes Greta, anything else before we push play? Uh, no. Enjoy. Or, you know, don't. And then yell at me via email. Either way. That's Greta at thestatusagency.com. <laughs> <laughs> Greta with two T's. Yes. Yes. <laughs> or miss right. That's fine, too. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and hit play. Okay, so I want to touch on a couple of things that you said, and I want to come back to the pro forma when we hit the next subject, which is things that he that um, 
the areas that it can save you money on, because that's directly, you know, the performer works, works perfectly into that. But one of the things that you said is that you guys, you went there physically and you took, you know, you took those surveys, you talked to those students, you got that information. And that's one of the biggest things when, when we were going to go build in a market or right now I have clients where we talk about that, you know, I'm going to be going to a market in September when the students come back so that I can actually walk around and physically take that in. You know, it is a matter of surveying. Obviously, I'm going to pull as much data as I can, mine as much, you know, from afar. But I have to physically go to that market. I have to see the students. I need to see how they dress. I need to go into their coffee shops. I need to go into their bars and grills and their pubs and their restaurants. I need to see what they look like. I need to understand what the university looks like. What does their day-to-day look like? And by doing that, if you can if you can understand the the fashion that people are wearing, or is it a super laid back, you know, style? Is are all of the girls in leggings or Lululemon and big shirts, or are they wearing little shirts? You know, it's it seems silly, and it might seem silly to somebody listening to this, but all of this stuff plays a factor into everything for me down the road. I need to understand oh, yeah. the existing student body, and the only way that I can do that is if I actually go and I truly experience them while I am there and hang out for a couple of days and really visually understand what their college experience looks like. And I'm telling you right now, it is necessary. When I went to Fayetteville, I had, you know, complete vision of what these students wanted, the lives that they came from, the style that they enjoyed, what they would be drawn to, you know, and that's obviously that's it should be obviously completely different than when I was in Ann Arbor and looking at that market and what they may be into. And that's going to be drastically different from Reno and what those people into and Syracuse, I mean, versus Chapel Hill, all of these markets, while they might, you know, they have certain things in common, it is not good enough to say we're going to build a building that has all of these basic attributes in it. It's going to have the study, the gym, the, you know, the this floor plan mix. It's going to be really cool and have an, a great interior design, but it's going to have the exact same basic furniture that, let's be honest, effing everybody has. Can some of us please start <laughs> using different furniture? That's totally off topic, but I, my God, does it drive me crazy. Sorry. You've got to be different. So many people. You I mean, have to. No hard feelings against the standard student housing furniture because that's all the industry has known for years. But your demographic is changing and the people that are living in these projects, they're not looking to live the same way that people lived 10 years ago. And it's insane. And it's not... You know what, Max, I'm totally going to cut you off because here's the thing about that. And we still didn't, you know, don't let me forget, we still have to go back and cover the rest of these data points, but this is going to end up being way longer than I originally anticipated. Sorry, everybody. We may have to break this up into two parts. We've got a lot of opinions on this subject, but here's the thing. I feel like a few years ago, I think it was, I think it was four years ago, I was at NMHC. They were talking about, you know, this, this huge project. A lot of people are going to know exactly which one that I'm referencing. And it had like this giant lazy river and we were the, the discussion, the top of discussion (laughs) the level of amenities and this is what our industry was using to differentiate themselves were these obscene amenities and these properties were selling for a mint man you know and it's they were trying to pull in these rents and but here's the problem how well are those rents performing years later and i you know it's if they're doing well fabulous but i don't you're not going to be able to do it by making your amenities bigger and bigger in every single market because that isn't what the market wants and so that brings us right back to that differentiation needs to be based off of information on the market and it needs to be market specific we are not in the hotel industry and this is not a courtyard marriott these are homes homes are important they are sacred and if you want to differentiate 
it's not necessary. You know, in some markets, it might be. Honestly, I could think of a couple of places in Texas that a lazy river would be amazing. But it's not about that. And here's Mags, we talked about this earlier about how everybody wants to be a boutique company. And I have yet to actually see one happen. I see a lot of Hampton Inns. I do not see a lot of Virgin Hotels. And I understand that Virgin is obviously one of the biggest brands out there. But I can tell you the Virgin Hotel in Chicago. Oh, my God, did I not friggin love it. And that's what boutique feels like. That was it was it was everything. And that to me, it's just one example. It's that's what we need to be looking for. We need to be looking at the market and saying what all is different. It isn't just about, you know, our res life program and that, which I obviously I feel should be assumed based off everything I've said up to this point, I believe is crucial, but it's what do those events actually look like? And this is something that you and I talked about earlier as well is taking that money and I'm going to jump ahead and actually making those events, that resident experience into something that is catered to them. So it's not just free fruit food Friday or thirsty Thursday and national cookie day and, you know, our hot dog yeah. by the pool day and all of that kind of stuff to really say what kind of what kind of product did we build? What kind of residents did we attract? And then what kind of lifestyle items are they going to want? Are they very studious? Do they want tutors on site? Do they want uh, different test preppings? Do they want, you know, speakers or are they, you know, <laughs> are they fancy and basic at the same time? Do we need to have these really lush pool parties that have this amazing food, not Costco and Sam's Club purchased bags of Doritos and, you know, whatnot. It's the LaCroix and, you know, a, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I always say like one good rule of thumb is every property has controversy and things happen. What I call is like, shit hits the fan sometimes. You can't avoid it. It just happens. But so often it's like when shit hits the fan, people will say like, why don't we have X, Y, and Z instead of a pool party? Or why doesn't this happen instead of blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm getting at here. Um, So you have like the resident comparison game. Like why does this happen, but not this. And one thing that you can definitely do as a developer and as a manager is to get ahead of that curve and know like, Hey, this is what people care about. So I'm not going to spend uh, $30,000 a year or whatever on this kind of programming. I'm going to spend that $30,000 on something that's going to create better value for the people that live here because only a small percentage of the people are going to come to your resident event. But this thing that I could add, whether that's a package locker or whether that's going to be like a fountain drink system or, you know, like some higher end coffee making machine, like copper coffee, I can't speak, coffee machines. Um, Words are hard. Words are hard, man. Power through. (laughs) What can you do to add value to your property that your residents are going to enjoy? Because so much of the programming, I mean, you've been there. I've been there. Most people that are working on site, they know, like, it's a big part of it. But at the same time, sometimes you don't have a great return on investment. And you need to be able to say, hey, I had X number of events or I did X, Y, and Z, and this was my return on investment. And that data is going to help to drive what you do on your next project. So if you knew something went well here, you're going to do that again. And it's really hard to be able to tell that from Free Hot Dog Friday or from Margarita Monday. And it's like, not that those things are bad, but I mean, let's be real. Those things are just the standard in student housing. And why can't we look beyond that? 
Well, and they're not enough. And that's really what it is. And we're already unintentionally transitioning into the next subject. So before we jump into that really, really quickly, I did want to touch on the other data points. And that is the types of housing versus the pricing that people are living in and how far in advance do they lease. And really, when I talk about the types of housing, I want to make sure that it's made clear there's a market specific. Actually, there's a lot of markets specifically that I'm thinking about, but there is you need to know. Let me back up. If you look at a market and you say there isn't currently student housing here, you know, and this is obviously for those 14 to basically less than 20,000 student schools, and you're, you know, there's not going to be a lot of competition here, we'll throw a good product in there and people are going to flock to it. That may not always be the case because if those students have never experienced student housing before, if they don't know what it is, they don't understand all inclusive, they don't need full furniture packages, you're giving them something that they don't understand and you need to know prior to going in. I'm not saying don't go into that market. I'm saying know that in advance so that you already know what your obstacles are before you go in. What kind of housing are they living in? Do they have a preference for single family homes? Do they have a bunch of kids that are living in that? Is it, do they, you know, are they all living in a bunch of, bunch of one bedroom conventional apartments? Find out that information before you go in so you know what your product should look like and how it should be branded and whether or not the market needs to be actually educated on what it is that you're offering. Or if you need to break the standard in that market and stop doing all inclusive because nobody wants to pay a rate when they don't understand the value. So, you know, both of those go into it. And then another one, you know, it's. I've talked about it before and it is Oxford, Ohio. And in that market, it's funny because I had this conversation a long time ago with uh, the the company that I was working with. And, you know, we talked about the product that they were going to take in there. And there were two key items that that I took away from there. I was like, listen, because I, you know, my, my family has a farm that's right next to there. So I essentially grew up next to this town. And I was like, you got to realize all of these farmers buy up all of these houses. And then there's this whole slew of houses that get, you know, passed down through people and they lease up two years in advance. This isn't a place, you know, and then they have this main street where everybody lives in these, you know, one bedroom and studio apartments that are above the like five shopping places that are in Oxford. And knowing that information prior to going in, knowing that people sign leases two years in advance, knowing what kind of housing these people are looking for shapes the property or the type of product that you take into that market and also helps you decide how soon to go into that market. So those types of insights, studying, getting on the ground, finding, doing those surveys, finding out where they live, find out the financial information, find out, you know, how much money these kids are making, how many of them are getting money from their parents, how many of them are on so many years they're required to live on campus there, how many beds are on campus, so how many are likely to live there, the percentage of upperclassmen and graduate students that live on campus, is there, you know, graduate housing, how much is it, breakdown all of those data points so that you can understand the actual number of available students because I've seen it time and time again. People think there's a large availability, but when you actually break it down between the houses on campus, the conventional housing, the single property housing, the shadow market, essentially, and you combine all of that together, you realize that the number of available students are actually much smaller than you realize and you need to know the actual total number. So if you have 20,000 total students enrolled, how many of those students, where are they living? How many can you actually capture? So those yeah, are all of those I mean, points. I, I feel like I missed too. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off. No, 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 interrupt all day long, do it. I will never stop talking. When you're, when you're looking at those enrollment numbers, one really big thing is to look at how many people are taking online classes. And what yes. percentage of the people are? Oh God, because we didn't even remote. talk to like, schools. <laughs> I mean, 
goodness gracious, that is such a big deal, especially in this day and age where everything is so digital. How many of those people are not even stepping foot on that campus for the entire four years that they're there? And still be accounted for as a part of enrollment. Yes. I mean, that's a big thing. I was looking at the university last year and it was shocking to see that number and it wasn't easy to find. It wasn't readily available. But I just had to, you mean, as a developer and, you know, someone doing market research, you have to dive deep and figure out what the heck is going on. And that was another, that was a big eye-opening moment. Um, Another thing that we didn't really talk about, but as far as, like, how to get the data, we're digital. Everyone knows that. There's great companies out there, whether it's Agency 53 or you have an internal, like, digital um, team. Do some early campaigning to see what the demand is. Try some things out, see if it generates traffic, put up a splash page with a little information, but see what you're able to generate because that's going to help you. That's with such a good your point. Thank you, Greta. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I, I really saw You're welcome word. for validating like, your words. No, I mean, you don't see that happen every day, but my thing was like, okay, great. We know right now, we know a year and a half in advance that we're going to go in this market or it's early and we don't even know if we're going to go. Let's test some things out. Let's see how they perform. Does the market react to this or are they going to react to this? If you do some AB campaigns, I mean, there's so much you can do without even actually having to go there as well. Obviously, we're huge proponents of going to the market and learning everything you can. But there's <laughs> yes. some places you can do digitally as well if you have a great team. And I mean, I'm not trying to just talk about Agency 53 because I've had great experiences with them. And I know they were on the podcast previously. But they're <laughs> a great company to partner up with and say, like, hey, this is what we want. We're planning to go in this market. I know that typically people don't market into, go into their market officially launching. And I'm not trying to launch. But I need to gather this information. How can we do this? Is this an We need to see how the market way? receives it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are we running some ads and trying to see how those things are um, – converting. I mean, there's so much that you can do and your possibilities are- Thing. few industries where we don't do test runs of campaigns. Every other industry, every other product out there, they are running test markets before they release it nationwide, which obviously we know this isn't nationwide, but they are putting little bits out there, little nuggets, and they're taking a look to see, does this work? Is the market going to respond to this? Is the market that we are trying to target going to respond to this campaign? And I, I love that you brought that up because it's, again, it's one of those things that I feel like we we aren't doing, or if somebody is doing it, please send me an email and tell me that you're doing it or, or don't keep it your, you know, proprietary secret. Cool. That's <laughs> awesome for you. And know that I'm patting you on the back for being awesome. But the mass majority of us, I don't think that that's something that's happening. And I, it's such a good point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I study so much in brand marketing and it's really my passion. And that's what I see in every other industry other than student. And I know we're going to dive into this, into all these other things. And for me, like, I'm not using a standard uh, housing software. I haven't for three years on any of, even when I was managing student housing stuff, I didn't use a student housing system. I mean, I love Entrada when it came to my property management stuff, but when it came to a sales tool, leasing apartments is sales. So we need to be using CRMs, or we need to have really great property management systems that have a CRM built in. And I think that Intrada obviously is the most cutting edge in our industry, in my experience. 
Um, and they have a lot of those really great things. But one thing that I can honestly tell you from the systems that I'm using right now is that from the time someone clicks and likes an Instagram post, I'm able to track when they convert. How long did they? How long does it take for them to convert into a lead? What's that buying cycle look like? Because that's informing when I'm setting goals for my teams and the average quotas that we need to hit that month per se. Like I'm going to know what those dollar amounts are and I'm going to know how many leads that I need to generate because I have the numbers to back it up and I can track everything from the click through the sale. You know what? It wasn't specific to data compiling. However, the fact remains that we are also talking about where we spend our money and how we intelligently spend the money and where we get that data and what's important. And I can say this is one of the conversations I was just having with somebody the other day where, you know, we were talking about what is the cost per lead and what's the average cost per lead in this industry. And I was like, you know, I can give you some numbers, but the reality is, is that the I think that the promo especially is something that throws that that number off because it isn't that and really the way that we put our leads uh, into our actual software, I think it skews our numbers. We don't get really we don't get excellent specifics on it. And so we aren't able to properly track what we're spending per lead. And I think that the more that we can get away with that or away from that and figure out ways that we can get trackable information, the better off we are, because the more informed decisions that we can make with the money that we are spending and the marketing dollars that go out the door. Before we go, because I want to switch over to this other subject, but there was one last data item that I always go into in every single market that I'm in, and it is forums. I deep dive into Reddit. I go through, rate the professor, rate the colleges, you know, rate the Greeks. For every single market I go into, if there is a forum that exists that students contribute information about where they talk about, you know, the housing that they like, off-campus housing, on-campus housing, the overall culture of the school, that is another stop that I make because it is right there in their own own words and they're speaking to their peers as opposed to being surveyed. So that is my last nugget that I always dive into is online forums that are student-based and, you know, peer-reviewed information because I feel like it's honestly, it's kind of invaluable. Uh, but I think that that, you know, does that cover all of our dining or our uh, data mining? Mags, do you feel good going on to the next one? Because we've kind of transitioned yes, to it twice and I keep pulling this back in. <laughs> all right. So the things that all of this information can help you see, so now we're going into the crystal ball, is the actual niche. So again, you hear me say this all the time. I feel very strongly about it. Don't just go after all the students. Pick your niche and go after that niche, and you can do that. You can figure out where the need actually is in any market with this information, as well as the design of not only the building, but the interior, the furniture decisions. Everything goes into that. The actual branding, the name, the logo design, your tagline. I just experienced this with a client. We had to go through a lot of rebranding because it didn't specifically match the product that they built, your marketing plan, your overall style, and your target audience. So really, it's kind of everything. All of this should dictate all of your plans for your first and second year, all the way trailing into your very very first renewal campaign, all of this information will help you see in advance so that you can properly plan your marketing dollars as you go forward. Do you feel like there's anything that I left out that you can see with all of that data? Oh, no, obviously I think, rents. Right. Ha, rents. What was that? Rents are kind of important. Rents. Oh, sorry, Talk I about what the rent that you can actually expect. 
I know, right? You would think like it is assumed, but just to make that clear, yes, you should be able to, with all of that information, more so than just looking at your competitors, because if you just base it off your competitors, you may be wrong and it may cost you $100,000 next year trying to make up for it. So figuring out what product you're building, how you're going to brand it, and then what your rents will be based off of that product. That's all the information that that is your crystal ball so that you can actually properly plan and allocate those dollars out. And then the final subject. So we're going to, that's, I mean, that one's kind of short. And the last one is going to be the the areas that it's going to save you money. And this is what we were just talking about. So this goes into a lot of the really great points that you already brought up um, and properly tracking that information. And I'm just going to shoot some off here and then we're going to go into it. Obviously, concessions, incentives, promo gear, events, digital marketing, and then going into it is strategic marketing and the only only marketing to your niche. So. So I think uh, that gives you a little bit of preview of what's going to be in part three of three in this marketing research episode. Man, that that was some, especially there at the end, you guys were really hitting on some key points. And let me just start off with, with you know, getting on my soapbox about software. And I, I agree with Maggie. I don't know what she uses. I, we need to, I need to call her and find out what kind of CRM she's actually using. But, you know, for, for our business, we've started using a CRM software to, to keep up with, with clients and, and folks that are tuning in to the Student Housing Insight community. And, you know, it's just, it's completely different. Like I always felt like there was a CRM component in, in property management software. But I got to tell you guys, Entrada, RealPage, you're already calling you out. It really doesn't come anywhere close to being a true CRM. You know, I can't send out a campaign with, you know, a, a landing page that I can see, okay, this got this many hits and turned in and converted into this many responses. It just doesn't happen. So I, I'm really glad she, she brought that up and, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, those folks are listening to this podcast and get on board. Well, do you mean an email campaign? Not just necessarily email campaigns, but, you know, for example, if I've got some type of promotion that I'm doing, maybe it's a giveaway, maybe it's a special rate, I can create a landing page for that. And, oh, yeah, I missed the landing page part. I got you. And either send out an email or a social link or or, or whatever, and then someone come into, you know, then, then a prospect ends up clicking on that, and I can get good analytics on how successful that click-through was. And I don't, I, I mean, and I don't spend that much time talking with property management software companies these days, but it's... It's something that I haven't seen, and, and from all of the folks that I know within the industry, they're they're still saying it's you know uh, there, there's a huge gap there that unfortunately we have to either come up with it ourselves through some type of database system or uh, you know don't even get me started on spreadsheets. <laughs> But anyway, well, hey, um, so we've got part three coming up. And obviously, at the end of that, Greta kind of gave some foresight into what that was going to be. So I'm not going to repeat that. But don't forget that 
our sponsor for this entire episode, as well as all of the marketing series that we're doing this summer, is AIM Cruise Incentives. You can find more information about AIM Cruise Incentives at www.aimcruise.com. That was so professional of you. <laughs> so professional. And, and again, for each of these episodes, AIM Cruises is giving away a, a cruise for two. I can't remember how many days it is. Do you remember off the top of your head? I don't, but it's a free cruise for two, so it doesn't matter. I it's mean, free. it could be a day. No, it could it. Be Seriously, a day. it's free. It's not going to cost you anything. So listen to the last episode and find out how you can get entered to win because it's free. And there's not much better than free. Not much. Not much. Not much. But yeah, they're going to be giving away. They're going to be giving away a cruise for each of these episodes. So make sure you listen to episode three, and we'll tell you how you can register to win that. Dun, dun.